0: Welcome to the Sound Words Podcast, where it's our goal to help Christians love and live out God's Word. I'm Pastor Aaron Nicholson. I'm here with Pastor Jesse Randolph, and
1: today we are joined by Dr. Dave Dietz. Dr. Dietz, thank you for being here today. Hey, thank you guys. Glad to be able to be part of this podcast, and uh, thanks for letting me hang out with you for a while.
2: Awesome. Absolutely. Well... Dave, as I as I call you. I know you're <laughs> do- Dr. Deeks, but you're Dave to me. Dave is the Vice President of Ministries with the Institute of Biblical Leadership, or, or IBL. He's a Board of Directors member for IFCA International. He's been in ministry actively for, for a couple of decades now in various different ministry roles in different states. He travels extensively around the country, training up leaders and, and training up elders and helping churches develop healthy uh, management and eldership practices. Uh, He's a busy man. He's a man on the road, a man that moves and shakes in various different ways. (laughs) And we're just grateful to get some time with you, Dave, on the the Sound Words podcast. So real quick, I want to get just right into the topic of IBL, the Institute of Biblical Leadership, what it is, what you do there, and how the Lord led you into that ministry from where you were serving previously.
1: Yeah, that's great. So I was introduced to IBL really in 2013. Uh, I had become the lead pastor of Whitneyville Bible Church in the southeast side of Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I knew a little bit about it, but I, I really knew not much about, about what they did and how it worked. And I'd become the pastor, lead pastor there in Michigan. And Joel Tetro came up for my installation service. And I thought, well, I can't hurt us to talk about leadership. At least I thought it couldn't hurt us, but actually in the process of a Saturday morning meeting, the weekend I was being installed, so I'd only been there like three weeks, we discovered through the course of some events that there was a lot of relational sin that had been occurring and had occurred in that church. Prior to me coming to the church in the decade previous, there had been a fire, two church splits, and a merger, and so I kind of came in at the tail end of all of that where there was still a lot of unresolved issues and a lot of unresolved relational things. And so that was kind of exposed that weekend. And I I, re- I still remember the, the first Sunday in December of 2013, I was installed as the lead pastor. And it was a snowy day. And there was all these IFCA guys there because it was in Michigan and Grand Rapids. And I didn't know any of those guys. I had just joined the IFCA. And I remember as they all left from lunch and Joel was the last one to leave from lunch, uh, out of the snowy driveway of the church, Joel rolled his window down and he waved goodbye and said, you'll be okay, Deetzee. And um, he left. And I remember this cold Sunday afternoon with snow coming down in Michigan. I thought IBL actually stood for I've been left. <laughs> uh, because I, here I was a you know brand new role, moved from Colorado to Michigan, and I really thought that that's uh, kind of what had happened. But actually, over the course of the next seven years, IBL walked alongside of us uh, in a in a tremendous way. Came alongside of our guys, uh, got to the point even where the men at the one of my last elder deacons retreats, I I told the guys, I said, well, I think I could probably handle some of this stuff. You know, there's a lot of new deacons that we had just brought on and, you know, I felt like we didn't need to have anybody special come for it. And two of the guys were in the back and they were kind of older guys talking to each other. And finally, one of them said, Dave, we love you. And you know, it's never good when they start off with Dave, we love you. (laughs) Um, They said, Dave, we love you. But if you could get those IBL guys to come, that would be a huge blessing. We would really love that. And so that was really the culmination of seven years of IBL coming every year, walking alongside of us. And uh, so that was my introduction personally to IBL as far as the um, ministry itself. And then what really led me to join IBL was I began – Just really feeling the Lord kind of nudging me as far as organizational ministry versus maybe being a pastor in a local church setting. And in 2016, October of 2016, I was able to go to Hanoi, Vietnam, and uh, teach a week of class. I taught through the book of First Peter, and I taught 40 hours that week by myself, the classroom full of 40 uh, men, mostly men, some women, who came little village churches between Hanoi and China. So I kind of got done with the end of that week and I thought, wow, I've done 40 hours. I've taught through first Peter, you know, kind of doing the proverbial pat myself on the back thinking I've done a good job. And, uh, we were doing a testimony time and one of the older guys in the room who'd kind of become the patriarch of the room of the group that week, he stood up and through the translator, he told me, he said, he said, Dave, he said, thank you for coming. We really appreciate it. But, um, next time you come, we're asking you to please double the teaching because you only did 40 hours this week. <laughs> and that blew me away. Uh These guys had sat on these little plastic step stools all week in a hot room with one little air conditioner. And they had written down everything I was saying through the translator of First Peter. So I left there really kind of taken aback by the fact that you know, from my standpoint, doing 40 hours of teaching through first Peter was significant for them. They felt like they had been gypped. And uh, I got home and I got home late Saturday night and I preached Sunday morning. And I think I gave an update on the trip after church. I, we probably went over five minutes, 10 minutes from the normal time. And after church, I had two people come up to me in the lobby and they said, I um, hey, pastor, we just want to let you know you went over by five minutes today. And if you cannot do that, that'd be great. And so in this 48 hour window, I had these two polar opposite experiences, one where I'm being told, hey, you only taught for 40 hours. You kind of gypped us to the other being, hey, you went over by five minutes. And so I remember standing there in the lobby of the church in that moment, just having this thought of I can either spend the rest of my life investing in 150 to 200 people. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that shepherding them and." preaching to them week after week, or I could actually invest my time and energy into men and women around the world who are going to actually be able to train others and teach others and engage with others. And so that's really kind of what prompted this idea and this thought of going into IBL. And so during that time, that's when they began to have conversations around the idea of, of joining full time.
0: I think Pastor Jesse now has some ammo to use on our (laughs) Sunday (laughs) night sermons. He's been going over more than five minutes. That's true. That's true.
2: But I will say I've been encouraged because I've had more of the Hanoi response. of Hey, thank you. Don't, Don't even worry about going the extra two, three, seven minutes. But I'm... I'm pushing
0: my luck. We'll, we'll see how, how long that goes. That's just encouraging, though, to hear that happening on the other side of the world. And Right. Uh, you know, to elaborate and ask more about that, what are some more of the positives and negatives that you see globally as the gospel goes across the world?
1: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great question, a great thing to think about. There's an idea that I think— I want to be careful how I house this. It, sometimes in American Christianity, we tend to think that we've got it all figured out and the rest of the world is just a little far behind us. The reality is everything that we're facing here and dealing with here is being dealt with around the world. And so I think when I think about that question, negative and positive, it this is both for America and for uh, international context, but... You know, so one of the things that has been spoken of a great deal by by several of our friends is the health and wealth prosperity gospel. Just the the impact that that has made, especially in international context, uh, it's so uh, easy for people in majority world countries to be taken advantage of. You know, so they they're trying to better their life. They're trying to make things uh, better for their family, and the health and wealth gospel is just rampant in many of these countries and many of these areas. And so, that's one of the negatives that I've, I've seen. Uh, I would say the second negative is is uh, flesh driven leadership. Where we do leadership in the flesh, Uh, it happens here in the U.S. It happens as well around the world. But oftentimes, leadership is driven by position, power, title, influence, all those secular based concepts. You know, we're we're ready to ramp up our political season, which it feels like we're perpetually in political season here in America. But the fact of the matter is, that's what Americans look to for leadership, position, power, title, this kind of person that can, you know exert himself in that way. Well, that's rampant in the world, not just here in American churches, but it's rampant around the world and uh, flesh driven leadership is very difficult to deal with. And then thirdly, I would say a third negative is I would say is a sufficiency in man as opposed to a sufficiency in Christ, meaning that we put a lot of weight and a lot of, of our sufficient uh, hope and trust in the ability of a man. Maybe that's too, too exposit or an ability of a man to lead or the ability of the man to be charismatic in his personality or, you know, the uh, sufficiency of him to, to be able to network well, whatever the case may be. Well, that is definitely here in America, in the majority world countries, especially there's the sufficiency is not necessarily on a single man, although that can be in play, but the sufficiency is on Americans and the funding that has always come from America And so one of the things that we really strive to do in our international training is to show uh, the men primarily that we train is that their sufficiency must be in Christ. He is the one who's going to provide for them. He's the one that's going to enable them. He's the one that's going to empower them. And so their sufficiency can't be in me as the white middle-class American guy. It has to be in Christ. And so I think those are three of the negative aspects of, of leadership. You know, IBL, we... Uh, A lot of what we teach, like if you go to our website, a lot of what we teach uh, for our definition of leadership is it's a Holy Spirit led process whereby a Christ like individual with a heart to glorify God influences others to embrace God's objectives. And so those are some of the negative uh, things that are happening around the world. And then I think some of the positive things are uh, there's a growing desire in continents like Asia, South America, Africa to be sending missionaries. America is no longer the great mission sending uh, country that it once was. And, but God's work isn't done. You know, I think sometimes American Christians feel like, Oh man, what happens if America is not the premier mission sending uh, country? Well, God's going to do his work until the end of the age uh, with or without America. And so, um, there's a lot of great things that are happening in Africa, in Asia. In South America. And uh, that's that's definitely uh, the case. Another positive is there's a growing desire for nationals to be trained. And that's a lot of what we do in our international context is training nationals to train other nationals. And then there's just a great work of God that's happening, both in evangelism, the gospel advance around the world, but then also in um, churches being planted and things happening. So I think if an American is just looking at random city USA, wherever they live, and they base the entire global work of Christ upon that particular city in America, they're probably going to be jaded to think that God isn't doing a whole lot because they don't see him doing much in their city. But when you kind of pull up to the 30,000 foot level, look at a global perspective, uh, the work of God is is increasing and advancing and his word is moving forward.
2: Amen. Really encouraged by that philosophy of nationals, training nationals overseas kind of turns a lot of what has passed for missions related work or missions philosophy kind of upside down, where you send the person from Lincoln, Nebraska or there in where you are today in Arizona to, you know, ex country and, you know, steep try to steep them in the culture, try to steep them in the, the language and, and get them caught up really over a lifetime before they can really effectively get into the, the work of the gospel, the work of the ministry, as opposed to what I think you guys are doing, which is more training those locals who are new in the faith or maybe more steeped in the faith to train their own people as it relates to matters of faith, doctrine, practice, even biblical leadership and eldership, which I know is a passion of yours. That, that alone is just an encouraging mindset that you have. The other thing I want to mention is it's super neat to hear about the work the Lord is doing overseas, even as missionaries, I know these days are being sent back to the States in different contexts. So we always think of, you know, the, uh, the missionaries sent from, you know, whether it be England back in the day or the U S more recently, Now it's going in reverse where there are communities and, and, and groups here in the States that need to be hit with the gospel and overseas groups are sending their missionaries here. It's been completely flipped upside down. And, and and again, what you said is so powerful that if we think it's all, you know, what the Lord's work in the world and in history all hinges on what happens in America, we have a very Americo centric view that needs to be corrected.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, a lot of what makes what IBL is doing internationally so exciting and and hopefully impactful is, you know, we're all aware of William Carey and his work that he did. You know, the beginning of the 1800s. So for almost 200 years, missiology has been advanced by this evangelistic zeal and, and going out and becoming part of that. And we, you know, we know about Carey's work on, you know, the inquiry into the obligations of Christians to use means for the conversion of the heathens. And so evangelism was at the heart of a lot of missions and that, that should be the case. Where we failed, if we can say we failed in missiology and in missions, was in training the nationals to find their sufficiency in Christ and his word, just like we had to find it. And uh, so that's what a lot of what we participate in is training these national men, especially sometimes they'll bring their wives, but training these men in theology and pastoral ministry and leadership, and then training them to train others, the fulfillment of the second Timothy two, two uh, principle in, um, in around the world.
2: Excellent. Well, in addition to what you've already laid out, Dave, from the, the strengths or the positives and the negatives happening in, in, in global missions, are there any needs or challenges that you could share with us as it relates to the, the global advance of the gospel around the world?
1: Yeah, well, I could give you the um, kind of the three Sunday school answers, if you will. You know, we we need to pray. Uh, that is obvious, you know, it's not to belittle prayer, uh, but we do need to pray and pray that not only does God send forth laborers into his harvest, not just from America, but actually around the world. Pray that God continues to send forth labors into his harvest. Pray that God would allow us to see men and women who are continuing to give up their will and their desires for the desires of Christ to advance his cause around the world. And then obviously it takes money. It takes funding. So giving of what we have and being able to help fund and finance the cause. You know, so IBL is not the only game in town There's there's plenty of other ministries that are engaged in in uh, missions work and training and doing a lot of equipping work around the world. Uh, but it all takes funding. It all takes finances. And so giving where God has allowed you to be blessed in that area, giving to that need and to that cause, and then, and then going ourselves. We typically focus more on, like, pastors and elders and church leaders, because that's kind of what we're equipping. But there's certainly opportunities for for those people, especially to go with us. But there's plenty of opportunities for people to go and to get a vision of the mission field and to be able to see what's happening and uh, to be able to see where the needs are and and getting out of our little areas of influence in America and seeing what God is doing and how God is working around the world. And uh, those are some amazing opportunities to be able to witness and experience. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, when you stand in uh, a place that, that has open sewage running through it with, uh, you know, mud walls and kids that barely have any clothes on their back. And yet the congregation is singing literally at the top of their lungs about how good God is. Mm-hmm. That's going to move you. That's going to move you to not only have an impact back here in the U.S. when you come home, but it's going to move you to say, God, what would you have me to do? And how would you have me to be involved in advancing your cause? Mm,
0: That's wonderful. Are there other things in addition to giving money or praying for people overseas? Is there anything in addition that stateside believers can be doing to support overseas missions?
1: There's a lot of nationals like for us. Um, I mean, I can only speak definitively for IBL on what we're doing on this. But what we do is we do, we've got this training program in ministry we do for three years. We train 30 to 35 men. And then um, we hold over five or six of them who are leader of leaders who are, then going to be able to be disciples and trainers. So in a second round, a second phase of three years, those guys are going to become colleagues with us and training and 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 teaching. And so one of the things like what we're looking at, and I know there's some other ministries that have the same type of thing, is the support of the nationals. You know, my wife and I, we did deputation. We raised support to go to Italy 2006 to 2009. God never allowed that to, to come to full fruition. But the impact that a dollar can have supporting a national Versus a lifetime missionary, I think, you know, Jesse, like you referred to earlier, you know, where we can, you know, in in a decade time, IBL is going to train a 1000 nationals and raise up a 100 nationals to be trainers, a dollar given that way is going to be much more impactful. It's not to diminish what the American missionary is doing. I was one of them. And I am one of them. I mean, I'm mission supported, but investing in the nationals, I think is really a key. I know one of the things that we're trying to do is highlight some of those guys that we are working with, you know, the, the, the Fred Makumbus or the Alan Tayebwas or the, uh, you know, the other Wilfred Gathongo or, or some of these other guys that we're laboring with and working with nationals who would say they need support, financially support, because just like here in America, they're trying to, work and pastor and labor full time, yet they're doing it on, you know, pennies compared to what we're doing it here in the U.S. And so uh, that's a practical way. And then, you know, keep it in touch. You know, we try to put out information uh, three or four times a year on what God is doing, not just here in the U.S., but around the world. So I think keeping informed of those things, finding organizations that, you know, you're going to be able to see the impact that God is having.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, Dr. Dietz. And appreciate you and your ministry in making disciples of all the nations and training others to make disciples. Um, So it's a wonderful ministry and thank you for encouraging us uh, with those words. Well, thank you. Uh, Dave, can you tell our our listeners and our our viewers
2: where they can learn more about your ministry and IBL?
1: Yeah, so they can go to iblministry.org and they can see a whole host of information there about IBL, not only what we do here in the U.S., uh, which is a lot of different ministries than what we do internationally. And so, but they can see that iblministry.org and they can shoot me a note, Dave D, just my last uh, name, first initial there, Dave D at iblministry.org. I'd be happy to engage with them uh, via email and answer any questions they may have. So
2: or they can just pop into their local airport and likely find <laughs> you there. <laughs> That's
1: right. Dallas. If, if they want to just stay put in Dallas, I tend to go through there quite a bit out to the West coast. So yeah, uh, okay. yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's great, but I really do appreciate what you guys are doing and just appreciate the opportunity to, to be able to be on here with you guys.
2: Awesome. Excellent. A great well, talking
1: with you. The
2: final word as always goes to God and his word from second Timothy one 13, where God through Paul there to Timothy says, retain the standard of sound words, which you've heard from me in the faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time on the sound words podcast.